Hi, I'm Steve Graves. I'm a strategist, executive coach, and a mentor, and I've spent my career helping leaders flourish in their life and in their work. I have worked with hundreds upon hundreds of CEOs, business owners, and bootstrapping entrepreneurs over the last three decades. Now, one personal journey I've been on regards how the gospel goes to work. This video series is about your work, but it's also about your faith. Over the next six weeks, we will explore a number of topics that can reset or level set your thinking on your job and on your faith. Also, guide you to greater work satisfaction than maybe you've ever imagined, and hopefully also uncover the reach, the power, and the intent of the gospel as it's applied to everyday life. I want to show you how any work can become gospel-minded work, and I hope to stretch your spiritual imagination when it comes to impact and influence. So one of the things I've been thinking about lately is the whole idea of spiritual imagination. Um, imagination is such a powerful term. Um, when I think about spiritual imagination and I apply it to the world of work, I just got to tell you, all kinds of things go off in my brain. I'm just not sure how to capture some of it. Um, the scriptures actually are really good in that it gives us uh, at least three, maybe four catalytic metaphors images that say this is what it looks like for faith or the gospel to ever show up anywhere. One is salt, one is light, and one is the sweet perfume. Um, and, and those images tell us what it looks like. Some people, you know, some people just still, you know, they still don't think that the gospel really has any, any, any application or any, any right to show up at work. You know, and, and they'll say, oh man, I believe in the gospel, I believe in faith, but that's kind of a Sunday thing, isn't it? And so what like in your minds and in your experiences, what's what's activated somebody to think that the salt, we'll stay on this one just a little bit longer, that the salt, light, and perfume actually has something to do with Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, not just, you know, oh yeah, I'm gonna after work I'm gonna go to the Bible study, and oh then I'm gonna pick up my, my salt thing and go do yeah. that over there. <laughs> what 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 happens? I mean, what makes somebody say, Wow, this has to do with, you know, Monday morning meetings or negotiations or something? I think, I think the key is thinking about what, what's our purpose in life, right? We're here to, we're here to uh, bring, you know, bring God's word into our heart and, and share God's love with all those around us. And I, I think in the work environment, we're often, I think if we truly want to show God's love, to those around us. We can do it through our actions. We can do it by trying, you know, giving 100% of ourselves in the, in the everyday, you know, workforce. We want to, uh, we want to demonstrate that, that we are everything that every part of us, every part of our being is such that we want to, uh, we want to, um, be a demonstration or, or praise God through our actions. We're, we're thankful for the work that we have and we want to go out and, and demonstrate that we, we care about our, 
our coworker. We care about our boss. We care about um, delivering the best product possible because everything that we're doing is really ultimately in honor of God's you know, God's word and God's grace. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a trap that as you, if you're young in your career and you're, you're just start, starting out, you're, you're, you may be uh, advised or taught to make sure that your priorities are straight and make sure that you have, you know, I loved in the book when it called out your one, two, three, fours. And I think that, uh, you know, being gospel minded uh, pours out uh, instead of getting caught up in the mundane, uh, you know, Monday through Friday. Well, when you, you start your career, you may may or may not be married or you may or may not have children. But as you add marriage, you add children, you add more and more obligations to that. You realize that you do start if you're making a list, if you're type A, you know, like I've got to do this on this day or this on this day. You know, you fall into that trap and you, and you think that if you have it separated out, then everything's going to be fine. But you realize very closely that nature loves a vacuum and all of a sudden your time is taken up with everything and the, the whole purpose of what you feel like you, you, you have it focused on, you try to put God into a certain time frame or a certain day of the week that works for you and your outlook calendar. You know, I think that is, is, is dangerous. I think the mindset of, of constantly living that gospel mind, mind, mindset will uh, allow itself to be spilt out all over. So instead of a, a, a isolated incidences throughout your, your, your week, you're looking at a holistic life of how to serve God. And that comes through your work and that comes through your family and that comes through your friendships and your relationships. It's kind of like the, the, you know, the, the thesis of the book is a lot around the, the power, reach, and intent of the gospel is actually much greater than most of the time I realize and I think about. Um, and, um, and so in some ways you're basically saying, take, take the, you know, take the handcuffs off or take the throttle off of the gospel and just let the gospel go to the hour and time and day that it ought to, that it ought to be. You know, Steve, I, uh, you know, you, you talked about how do, how do you, is it really coming into the workplace? Um, I really think about, no matter where we are on a on a journey of faith, and all of us are on a, a at a different step in our in our own journey. But if we're on a journey, then there's got to be some part of us that is contemplating what the Great Commission means for us. You know, go and make disciples. Well, how do I do that? I'm I do I sell everything and go on the mission field? And and what excites me is the fact that every day I go to work, I'm going into the largest mission field in the world, and for me to not bring my true authentic self to work with me, which is a faith-filled self, for me to not do that is missing a huge opportunity in the greatest mission field that exists. And, and if I just remind myself of that every day, um, that's really what, what gives me permission to bring it to work with me. That gives me the permission to, to show up whole at work and and do what I believe God has challenged me and called me to do, which may look very different than someone who has sold everything and, and head out to the, to a more um, traditionally described mission field. Yeah, what's the hard part? What's what's the hard part for you guys to, you know, where, where is it that the challenge really shows up? You know, for you to say, you know, salt, light, perfume, the gospel goes to work. What is it that, that the, the rub really starts happening? Uh, in your in your own personal experience, where is it that the gospel really finds its biggest hurdle, its greatest challenge? Boy, I'll I'll, I'll start with just a quick <laughs> thought. Um, I think we're all afraid of of being looked at as hypocrites, mm -hmm. and and for me to 
be totally vulnerable about my faith at work, um, it's scary to think that every action that I do in, in a 24-hour day or certainly in an eight to nine-hour day in the office uh, can be scrutinized, can be held up to a different standard. And boy, I better not mess up because people are watching and, and I don't want that to reflect on the kingdom. I don't want that to reflect on. And so I think we're scared a lot of times. Yeah, it's a high pressure for for me. I look at, uh, especially in a corporate environment where where you, you may have uh, a very hierarchical organization, you know, you often get caught up in, in um, con- contentment and self selfishness. And I think that's my, my struggle is not being settled where, where the Lord has you and always desiring something more and uh, I think you can get caught up in, in setting your sights on something uh, much higher that the Lord may not have planned for you. And uh, you may lose sight of what your, your true intent is in the moment that, that He has you. You can say, wow, the moment that I have influence, the moment that I have people uh, uh, on my team that are reporting to me, then I can spread the gospel. Then I can go do those things. When really mm-hmm. the Lord was making it known the whole time and you had influence from the very beginning. And if you're content in the Lord, and you know that he has a, a plan for your life, then uh, you know it's going to be shown. And uh, you know he's just saying, "Chill out." Yeah, you know yeah. I got this. You know? I think another challenge is when you think about sharing the gospel at work, and you work in a a formal like a, a public corporation. Yeah, yeah, to- totally. You're you, you're afraid how people will respond if you are as vocal as one might. Um, might want to be in, in trying to bring people uh, to the Lord. So I, I think depending on one's uh, work environment, the uh, way that you share God's word is going to be very different. It may be initially through how you treat other people from the, the janitor who cleans up at night to you know the CEO of your organization to how, you know, the, the little things that you remember of your coworkers, you know, families and friends and challenges that they're going through and how you try to help them. Um, so I, I think it really, the, the framework may vary as far as how, um, how the gospel initially um, is able to reveal itself to those in the workplace. But then over time, as you've established almost that foundation, you're able to then um, become more comfortable, more vocal. Yeah, I mean, uh, in, in, in your Marquis, to that point, you're, you know, you're building the case for what, what I call the baseline. The baseline is that there's some things that apply to every single environment. There's no worker in no work setting doing any kind of work that, couldn't, that could say, well, yeah, you don't understand. I'm in a public company, so the, I really can't be salt and light. The God, mm-hmm. That's really, really works for these people who are in private companies, dentists that owns his own business, those people that work in the church. That's a great idea for those cats. But I mean, you know, and so there's got to be some baseline things. Um, I want to come back to that for a second, but I want to jump back over for just a quick second to, to you guys. I want to drill down for a second, then we'll come back up and really work on the baseline. So Steve, the hypocrisy thing and then the contentment thing, Seth, the hypocrisy thing seems like it's just such a universal, like, joker card in my back pocket that I could pull out that would give me any, all the time the reason to say, I can't, I can't be, I can't share my faith because I'm a sinful man. You know, well, how do you, what do you do with that? What do you do? How do you handle that? How do you actually press that in and say, yeah, I'm somewhere you're going to probably find me being a hypocrite. What do you do with that? 
I wish I had the perfect answer because I'll tell you, I don't do it well every day. Um, but I think there's two things that I try to to think about. And I think when I the people that I see that are successfully navigating that really challenging water, I think there's two things that um, tend to come out in those people. And those are the two things I try to use as a tool to combat that myself. One is just, it, it's, it's no fun unless you're authentic. You, you, you have to, well, first of all, you have to know who you are, know what drives you, know what uh, motivates you, and then you have to be that person. Mm-hmm. And, and if, if you're that person every day and you really aren't bringing pretenses with you to work, if you really aren't bringing um, an alter ego that will, that will come to some meetings and not other meetings, if you're truly being authentic, that to me is, is jacks to open. That's the thing you have to do. And then the second thing, and we've really talked about this a lot in our organization this year, is you have to be vulnerable. Um, you, especially as a leader in the organization, you have, to, you have to show vulnerability when you are being authentic. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe that it's worth the gamble in an organization that if you're being authentic and you're being vulnerable with your team, um, you, have, you, you have to take that risk in, in showing people who you are, which includes your faith. And if somebody wants to pull the, to your point, the hypocrite card out of your pocket, well, I can't keep other people from, from thinking a certain way or doing a certain thing, but I can certainly control what I do and how I behave and how I treat other people. And if I'm being authentic and being vulnerable with my team, I think that's all I can ask. I think about, uh, you know, grace, what an opportunity to talk about grace too. And, you know, and, and if you work in a, a multicultural, large corporation, or even if a small business, you may have people from different walks of life. And just one opportunity, you know, vulnerability, authenticity, you know, the, the, that being the case, it, it, it's a little bit like humility. Like the focus isn't mm-hmm. necessarily on you because you can be who you are, who you be comfortable with. You can be vulnerable and that's who, who you are. And the focus is on the Lord. And I think that, you know, the, the opportunity to discuss grace with others is a perfect gateway to talk about what kind of, you know, you may just be a great opportunity to bring up your, your shortcomings or, or uh, as, as, a, as a follower too. Seth, you're really talking about like servant leadership yeah. and, and, and really showing that humility and that transparency uh, to uh, gain, the, gain the support and the, the respect and that a team needs in order to collaborate and, and to, to work you know, more powerfully together. Certainly conversational starters. When you, when, you, when, you, when you do something you're not supposed to be doing, it, it, yeah. at least get something on the table. Yeah. Um, you know, so, um, so Seth, you're, you, you hit on earlier the idea of contentment. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my lack of being able to be settled Right. And just being content is that something that could keep could ho- keep my whole salt light perfume thing upside down or whatever mm-hmm. you know um, like how do you how do you get how do you square that off how do you finally and, and do you do it just once and then it's over or is it like yeah. an every day every week every month what, what, what give us yeah. tell me I about think, that one I think it's a matter of 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 understanding where uh, it takes time in my opinion to uh, Come to the Lord hum- humbly, and I think to pray for wisdom. You know, that's something that I that I try to try to do is is pray for wisdom in, in my life to help me discern through those things. And too often, you may get caught up in in success or 
uh, being uh, uh, applauded amongst your peers. And I think that that can uh, be a, a detriment because you know that is uh, that can be a temptation in your life talking about taking the honor and the glory off of the Lord when really it's a perfect opportunity to put the honor and the glory on the Lord. And uh, you know, contentment can reveal it like a lack of contentment can reveal itself as you as you uh, think about, you know, the I gotta win the race, I gotta run the sprint. And it's kind of the tortoise and the hare. Are you running like a marathon or are you running a sprint? And if you run a sprint, I mean, you're, 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 you're going to run out of energy knowing that your career is such a long time frame. And I think having that eternal, in an eternal perspective that says your career may be long, but the, you know, Lord's been around forever. He's been around since the beginning of the eons, you know? And, and I think that that, uh, that mindset shows uh, your insignificance insig- and his significance. And, you know, it's, it's a constant battle, you know, but I think you have to constantly take a step back and say, you know, this is, this is who I am and this is where I am right now. These are the people the Lord's put in my life. So let's focus on that and see how they can get to know him. Hey, let's shift uh, real quickly before we uh, wrap up some time. I want to just at least get the idea on the table about the, about the baseline. The, 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 the book is, the premise of the book is a baseline and a blue sky. A baseline says that there's some, um, there's some non-negotiables. There's some universal um, things that everybody ought to, that everybody just ought to apply. And then there's kind of a whole blue sky of horizon that that's the stuff that I have to individualize. I particularize. I, I say, yeah, but, but I'm in this kind of environment or I have this kind of gift. That's different. Okay. I want you to play the devil's advocate with me for a second, okay? Because you guys represent a lot of different environments and have represented different places you've been. What do you what do you make the case for me that that everybody really still has a baseline of gospel intention? That the reach, power, and intent of the gospel really is for everybody. I mean, what about the person who says, you don't know my boss? You just really don't know. Well, hey, I work in a public company. Or, hey, you don't understand what, what it is we do every day. We, we do toys or we do this. We don't do Bibles. I mean, make the case back to me that the gospel really, that there is a baseline gospel for every single person. Make that case for me. There's absolutely a baseline gospel for every person. I mean, it starts with treating everyone with respect, with dignity, with, with honor, no matter where they are in the hierarchy of organization, whether you, whether they're a customer, whether they're uh, someone you work with, you need to treat everyone with the fundamental respect. That's a baseline in my, in my opinion. Yeah, I would say that, you know, looking at, at your organization or your, if you're a business, a small business owner, or you work for a large cor- corporation, you should be focused on, on what, on what that, that gospel is, because at the end of the day, uh, you know, your, your, your function and purpose is to worship and glorify God. And, you know, whatever you, you look at, uh, you may be focused on a, a, a bottom line. I've got to get that bottom line. That's my number one focus. Well, you should think, you know, beyond that bottom line and think about the people that, that you spend time, time with. You're, you're forming relate relationships here. You're spending a large portion of your, of your day there. And why not talk about what shapes you? Why not form relate relationships with them that are that are deeper than just that? Because at the end of the day, you know, all you have is each other and, and you have to you have to be there in that if the gospel is what shapes your heart, and let that be known. Well, thanks for the challenge. This has been a lot of fun. It's been um, it's been interesting to think about the idea of salt, light, and perfume. 
being able to be an agent of change and transformation for any worker uh, doing any kind of job in any kind of setting. Um, there are certain no exception rules, like I can't say, yeah, but you don't know my boss or you don't know this, and accept out of the idea of being a salt or being perfume or being, being light. Um, the, 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 the reach, power, and intent of the gospel is just absolutely amazing. Thank you.